Thank you. Jeremiah said, is there not a balm in Gilead? And there is, we know him as Jesus. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. And I guess we've got another storm coming our way this weekend, or today, actually, a very big windstorm and rainstorm, from what I understand. I want to get right into the message this morning, and it won't be very long, I don't think, but you can probably consider that most of this is a history lesson with an added little nugget at the end. As I was preparing this message, let me just stop and pray. Father, we need that balm in Gilead this morning that makes the wounded whole. The song says, sometimes I feel discouraged and think my work's in vain. But then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. Revive us again this morning. Oh, revive us by the precious Holy Spirit in the Word and in the Spirit, O oh God. And we give you great glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. As I was preparing this message, the thought came to me that the kids' song, Father Abraham, sorry if you get a brain worm now, because I did after thinking about this, could easily have been swapped out for Father David, for he had many biological sons. Abraham didn't have that many biological sons, but David did. King David's family tree spans ten generations that came from the tribe of Judah. And as we will look through his family tree briefly in just a minute, there, there won't be a quiz or anything on the uh, graph that, I, that uh, Claire handed out for me, but something to follow along, and you'll see where this is going in a few minutes. And some of David's relatives were very well known, and some were not for good reasons, right? Solomon was David's and Bathsheba's son, who succeeded him, Solomon succeeded David, to the throne. Absalom, who killed his brother Amnon for violating their sister Tamar, also led an uprising against David's throne, and he was his son. Rahab, the former prostitute, was David's great-great-grandmother. Ruth, the Moabitess, godless people, but Ruth was a godly woman. Ruth, the Moabitess, was his great-grandmother. Joab was the commander of David's army, and he was his nephew. Abishai, often second in command in David's army, was also a nephew. Ashahel, one of David's mighty men, was yet another nephew. Amasah, who commanded Absalom's army when it fought against David, was yet another nephew. And all of the kings of Judah, 
were descendants of David. And lastly, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus were also all descendants of David. So you can see Thanksgiving dinner must have been quite a feat at their house. And there are a few surprising connections in David's family tree. David's son, Jeremoth, married David. I was trying to explain this to Audrey a few minutes ago, and I didn't get it anywhere close to correct. David's son, Jeremoth, married David's brother, Eliab's daughter, Abihail, not Abigail, that was one of David's wives, his first cousin, and together made their daughter named Mahalath, both David's granddaughter and his great niece. Figure that one out. Then Mahalath went on to marry one of David's grandsons, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, who was her first cousin, through her father and Solomon, everybody got this straight as an arrow? As well as being her second cousin through her maternal grandfather, Eliab. So if you think that's all complicated, you're right, because it is. And you could also note that Rehoboam married one of his own first cousins, Maccah, who was the daughter of Absalom, one of Solomon's half-brothers. David had seven brothers and two sisters, and at least eight wives and ten concubines. This is important. We're going to come back to that in a minute. So as I said, a massive family, and some of the relationships are very complicated and confusing. In total, David had at least 28 sons and 60 daughters. So it's a spaghetti bowl of relationships. And now you see why I gave you this chart rather than trying to go through all of that. And the little M signifies who they were married to. <clears throat> the chart helps us to see a little more clearly who's tied to who. And you can also recognize that with 28 sons and 60 daughters, as a father, David was spread extremely thinly. So it's no wonder that some of David's children, and his sons especially, went their own way and committed heinous acts of violence, murder, deceit, political overthrows, and all manner of sin to each other as well as to David, their father. Now, if you would please turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 4. And we're going to end the genealogy lesson for now, but we're going to look at Solomon, David and Bathsheba's first son. I know that's, a, that's the second son because the first son passed away at birth. Solomon's writings. While there is little controversy that David's son Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, there's actually a lot of speculation about who the intended audience was. 
despite the fact that he continually said, this is for my son. Oh, my son, listen to me. My son this and my son that. It's many feel that that was a generality and that Solomon could have indeed written that book to his son or sons, but it was more than likely collectively written to all of God's sons and daughters that would follow after Solomon. So we're going to be reading four scriptures right here. Chapter 4, starting verse 1. My children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment. For I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions. For I too was once my father's son and tenderly loved as my mother's only child. My father taught me, take my words to heart. Follow my commands and you will live. In verse 1 and 3, Solomon tells us that he was once the son and the benefactor of learning good judgment. And as a result of having received this strong instruction and the, and the correction at his father's hand, he became a very wise man. In verse 3, in addition to having received all these good things that his father had taught him, he also tells of the loving guidance of his mother by whom he felt loved as though he were an only child. So clearly Solomon was well taught and well loved by both of his parents. Now look at verse 10. My child... Listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in the straight paths. And here comes the rhema word for today. Verse 12. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instructions and don't let them go. Guard them for they are the key to life. Solomon recognized that the teachings that he had received at the hands of his parents were so valuable that he must pass them on and enforce them into his own son or sons and, of course, all of us who would come after him. It is said that Solomon wrote the book of the Song of Solomon when he was a very young man. The book of Proverbs was written in his middle age and the book of Ecclesiastes in his old age, looking back. Scripture also tells us that Solomon carried on his father's practice of polygamy, multiple wives, but to the highest degree even imaginable, as it is recorded that he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. In 1 Kings 11, 5 through 8, it is recorded how this excess cost him both personally and spiritually, for the Bible tells us that his many strange wives were quite successful in turning his head away from God to worship 
their idols. Reading 1 Kings chapter 11, 5 through 8. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Miscom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and in the hill that is before Jerusalem for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed to their gods. I told you that he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Can you imagine the gods that they served and worshipped as pagans? And the Bible said that he followed them. And as a result of Solomon backsliding from his devotion to God as he was taught from his father, God stripped him of his kingdom. And sadly, I could find no biblical record or commentary that confirmed that Solomon ever repented of these sins, despite all that he had been taught and that he had taught his own sons and what he had written as we have in scripture today. I'm going to close with this. On this past Monday morning, I was in my office praying about a particular issue and I don't usually spend Monday in prayer or in Bible reading. It's kind of a day to get my head straight and kind of let go of last week and start looking forward, but I don't actively seek anything. But this Monday, a week ago tomorrow, I was literally compelled to go to my office and I was praying about this matter. I had my Bible open and the Holy Spirit dropped a phrase into my heart. And the phrase was this, they will take it in stride. And as reassuring as this was, which I was praying about the situation, I wanted to see what scripture said about this. So I did a little research. And if you look at Proverbs 4.12 that we read a minute ago, the word stride means to take long, steady steps to a steady gait. And the commentary said that according to the original text, verse 12 should read, when you walk and if you run, for to walk is obligatory, but to run is optional. But it goes on, whether walking or running, wisdom secures both. And when walking in the wisdom and the good judgment of God, as Solomon admonished, the way opens up before us and our stride is neither hindered nor restricted.
And if we're running the feet of those who are clothed with wisdom and good judgment, are guarded from stumbling. What a beautiful interpretation of this verse. Further, in the 24th verse of Jude, and you know there's only one chapter in Jude, it says this, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be majesty, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So I ask you this morning, are you troubled about something? Has something cropped up in your walk or in your running and you feel unsure? I would admonish us all to seek hard after God's wisdom and take counsel for learning good judgment. It's scripture and the word never fails to accomplish its purpose. It will surely keep us from falling into sin had Solomon just listened and had he followed his own teachings and not gone hard after paganism, he wouldn't have been lost. And we will continue to walk steady and sure and the path will open up before us and even our running will not cause us to stumble and we can take whatever comes our way in stride. He will cause whatever crosses our path to fit into our stride as we continue walking with him. Would you, fall, would you stand with me this morning? Father, we are so grateful that you know the way that we take. We are so thankful, Lord, that it is you who lights our path, and it is you who guides our steps, and it is you who keeps our feet from stumbling in the way. Oh, thank you for this protection, Lord. Thank you for putting wisdom and good judgment before us that we can attain it through your word and through listening to the powerful Holy Spirit as we walk this walk. And Lord, I pray if there is one listening to this message and you say, I'm walking, but I feel like I'm stumbling. I want to run, but I don't have the strength or the energy nor the knowledge to know where to go. Seek after his wisdom. Look in his book and find out what he says about the matter. And you can take it in stride also. Oh, Jesus, I just pray that you would be with each one. If there is any that wants prayer, feel free to come forward. But if any is ready to go, you can go as well. And Lord, I pray that your blessing and your light would shine upon each one today. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hallelujah.
You can take your chart home with you and we'll have a quiz next week.